All right. Watching that video reminded me of a question that came in last week, and the question was, who is Derek Banks? So <laughs> I did not answer that question. But, uh, but yeah, here we are. Guys, today we conclude our series uh, that we've been going through this summer called It's Complicated. And uh, the reason this is the last week, it's because this is the last week of the teaching. We are still meeting next week, but next week we're going to do an end of summer, we're calling it an epic game night. Um, and that's because there's going to be a bunch of games. So uh, we built it on a Tuesday night because I just knew everyone's, with everyone's schedule, some of you weren't going to be able to do some of the summer hangs. And I wanted to end the summer with an opportunity for everybody to just come on a Tuesday night and we're going to set up a bunch of games like board games and video games and, you know, cornhole and spike ball, all those kinds of things. Everything in this room that we can fit, we will uh, do that. And if you don't like games, then just come and like drink a coffee and hang out with people. All that would be great, okay? Um, so please come next Tuesday night. Uh, we're gonna have a great time as our epic game night concludes the summer. Uh, tonight, uh, we are on this topic of just kind of like final thoughts and we're finishing this series about dating and marriage because um, it's going to be something that's a prominent topic in our age group. It's something that comes up a lot for young adults. And uh, so I actually anticipate the topic in general coming back up as we go through different series throughout the years, but we probably won't do it as focused as we have this summer, or at least we won't do it again like this soon, I would say. Um, and so today I want to address some of the questions that I got last week. I asked, uh, you know, we put up a number and said text it in, and then I printed all those out and read through them. And, um, and so I wanted to address some of those questions. And honestly, some of them are going to be best answered inside of one of the sermons that has already been preached in, during the series. And so I just wanted to throw up all the weeks of this series to remind you guys the content. You guys can put that up, uh, the full list. There it is. Um, and I just wanted to let you know the things we talked about in those weeks, because maybe you missed one of the weeks where you had a question. So I just wanted to overview, uh, just review um, if you go to YouTube and check out New Life Young Adults, if you just search that in YouTube, our channel pops up. And week one, we talked about the concept of dealing with our past. That's when we talked about, you know, if you have shame in your history with relationships and you, and you feel like you can't move forward, that's a, a great sermon to watch. Then week two, we talked about the biblical foundations of marriage in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And a lot of the later messages refer back to what that message was about. And so if you're like, man, this did, I feel like I'm missing something, that's probably one you need to go back and watch because that was a foundational message. And so was week three where we continued in the New Testament and we studied Ephesians chapter five. And then we also talked about how Christians are to marry Christians. So I addressed that topic in that message. Then we had Pastor Andrew Arndt come in and he talked about wisdom for our sexuality which again was a bit more overview. He went through Genesis, went to different passages. That was an awesome uh, time we had there with Pastor Andrew Arndt. Then week five is when I preached on fleeing sexual immorality. And so for any question about any sexual sin, that is definitely the message you wanna watch. Now, because of the content of that message, we did not make that a, a public link on YouTube. Uh, any of you guys can watch it. We just didn't feel comfortable releasing that to who knows, you know, whoever is watching on the other end at YouTube. So. To watch that one, all you gotta do is just direct message our Instagram account, and uh, you'll be able to uh, get, we'll send you the link and you can watch it then. Then the following week, we had Pastor Brad Baker, and he talked about dealing with heartbreak and the healing process, and what does the healing process look like, and that's a really important sermon if there's something in your past that's really painful for you. 
week seven, I talked about singleness, sent the whole message on singleness and how it is a gift from God. And we talked about the right perspective for singleness. What's God's perspective? What does the Bible say about being single? And then uh, week eight, Christine and I, last week, we talked about being engaged a bit, dating, um, not all the principles on those two topics, but we shared uh, some kind of like the highlights, some spark notes, if you will. And then today, I'm just sharing my final thoughts on this topic. And uh, you guys can go to YouTube, check those out. Also, we are working on a podcast. Uh, for those of you who like podcasts, we are working on figuring out how to do that. I've never actually had to build a podcast before, so... Um, we're hoping to have that up and running in September, so if that's your favorite way of listening to messages, we're going to be able to offer that to you as well soon. Um, but tonight, I want to address some of the questions we got, and obviously, I couldn't answer them all. I wish I had the time. I don't have the time for that, but I tried to pick up on any themes, and um, so my first two points of the message have to do with multiple questions that came in and kind of grouped them in together into a theme, and then my last point of the message, I'm just going to hit a few of them that aren't thematically together. It's just going to be kind of like the lightning round, just rapid fire, like, okay, this question, this question, this question. And that's, uh, that's what we're going to do here tonight. But before we do that, let me just pray. Father, we, um, we take a second right here to focus our hearts on you. And um, Lord, we want to be awake to what it is that you want to say here tonight. May it be that um, whatever you say, we would listen, God. And um, so we're ready, and we ask that you would guide me as I preach, as I bring this message. Lord, whatever would be from you, help me to just speak it boldly, and whatever is not from you, let that just subside and help me to uh, skip over any of that, Lord. More of you, less of me, that's what I'm asking, and that you would meet us here as you always have on Tuesday nights, and Lord, we give you praise and thanks for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people said... Amen, amen. All right, so here's the first category I want to talk about, and the first point of this message. I want to talk about developing relationships with the opposite sex. Now, this is um, more big picture, less about dating and marriage. That's going to be a part of it, but there were some questions about, like, well, then how do we develop friendships that don't have to lead towards dating and marriage? And I think that's an awesome question, by the way. Um, and it is something that comes up a lot, especially in, in groups like ours. So first, I want to talk about the complexities of building friendships with people of the opposite sex. And then, um, because honestly, some of us genuinely aren't trying to express interest in dating someone. We're simply just trying to be friendly. And so some of you wanted some guidance on this topic. And at times, I get it. Some of the the, it feels like the, the topic of dating and marriage is colliding with the topic of desiring Christian community. And I understand that. And so because of that tension, I wanted to speak a bit, you know, just uh, on the topic and give you guys a little bit more to hold on to. So here, here's a phrase that I think we do need to hold on to. And that is that we need community and we can desire marriage. We need community and we can desire marriage. If you go back to that sermon I preached on singleness, we talked about how you don't have to get married. That's not something commanded in scripture. It's a gift from God, but singleness is also a gift from God. And so really the need is community. That's what you need. You have to get to that. You got to get to the point where you have a close group of friends who also are following Jesus Christ. And that's the need we have. But you can also desire marriage and there's nothing wrong with desiring that. That's a good thing to desire. And you can pray towards that, and, and your community will help you with that. That's the goal, but I fear that sometimes we flip that phrase. I think sometimes we act more like we need marriage, like we have to be married, and then if we get community, that's like an extra bonus. And I think that's the exact opposite of the way we should be viewing this. 
value your community highly. You have to prioritize your community. That's why it's one of the values of this group. We want to prioritize community. We don't want to flip that phrase because, you know, Christine and I were married. She is my wife. We're one flesh, and we're pushing, on, pushing each other to grow in Christ, all those things. But Christina will never be able to be my brother in Christ. That's just not something she can be. And so as, as, as much as I love being married to her, there is a need for community for us. And we need that. And you need that. Every single person needs that. If you've ever heard that passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, you've probably heard this in weddings. Um, and it says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not, has not another to lift him up. I've always heard that verse read at weddings, which is interesting to me because I went back and studied it and I'm like, this passage actually isn't about marriage. And it's not talking about a couple, it's talking about community. That's what it's talking about. In, in the difficulties of, world, of the world, all the things that we have to face in toil and strife, it is better to have someone than to be alone. And we can, we can all relate to that. You've walked through some difficult things in life and you say, man, I wish I just had someone. It doesn't have to be someone you know, I'm dating or I'm, I wanna get married with. It could just be a friend, community, we need that. And then that passage goes on to say that famous phrase of like uh, a, cor- a strand of, or sorry, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And uh, some people say like, there's the husband, the wife, and God, and that's the braid. And I actually, I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think the passage is saying, Two is better than one, and then he just throws in, and three is better than one. Like, he's just making the point of we need companionship, community. This is the way God made us. We need to have a community. So let me just bring up a few points with this uh, illustration that I have. It's a chart that we built, and um, before we show it, (laughs) let me just say this real quick. This is to give you general wisdom, not specific wisdom. Because sometimes I, I show something and people are like, I, I need to understand how mathematically it all works. No, no, no. It's less of a science, more of an art. Okay? So what I'm showing you is to be helpful for you to ask some good questions in regards to building relationships with people of the opposite sex. All right. Now you can throw it up. And let me, let me explain first what we're looking at. This is, uh, uh, you kind of see the spectrum from left to right that represents relational proximity. So the further right you go on the chart, the closer you are to someone. Obviously, the closest you'll ever be with someone is if you're married. And, um, and then you can kind of see how it makes sense that we go to the left because we're less close with those people. So it really starts with our neighbor. Um, that's, that's where it starts because everyone's our neighbor. This is part of the great commandment that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. What that means is to love every single person that God has created. Every person deserves that dignity and respect as humans that God created in his image. So those are our neighbors. But then those, uh, there's people we're closer to, which is a Christian family. That's the household of the faith is what the Bible calls it. And that's our brothers and sisters in Christ that as we are believing in Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior and we're following him, we do that with other people. That's our Christian family. Now, out of that group, uh, that's where you're gonna find your community. So that's what that arrow means. We're gonna draw from the group of a Christian family and then we're gonna form our community. Now, back on the top line, from the Christian family, then maybe there's someone you will go out on dates with. And that's why I label it as dates. I don't think when you go out on a date, that doesn't mean you're committed and saying like, okay, we're gonna do this like for 
t- you know, two years. Like it, the commitment is not there. I think you start with dates just to get to know each other. Then it becomes an official relationship in dating. And, uh, and then if things go great and you, 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 know, you believe you're going to head towards marriage, then you can get engaged and then you end up getting married. That's why the blue shows up. It's like now we're talking marriage territory. Um, and notice the, the main interaction with people of the opposite sex, it starts as group interactions and then it starts shifting towards one-on-one interactions, obviously to the point where it really is the one. It's the person you're married to. And I think that's the healthiest way of viewing how you're going to build this relationship because you're going to draw community from your Christian family and these are people, this is your inner circle. When I taught on what community is supposed to be and what we're aiming to do. That's a small group of people and these, this is your inner circle and they can be both guys and girls. Like it can be both those things and men and women in your group and, um, and that's why I put it right in between the group interactions and one-on-one interactions because I think there's gonna be some one-on-one interactions with people of the opposite sex if they're inside that small group that you would consider your community. But notice, it's just barely into the one-on-one interactions because I believe that there's gonna be a limitation to how much that one-on-one interaction can you know, happen with someone who's just a part of your community that you're not gonna be dating, that you don't have any plans on you know, marrying or even considering that. That's why you see next to community, avoid this area. This is where we kinda of get in trouble. This is where the waters get a bit murky because um, that is a lot of one-on-one interaction and yet it's, it's not planning on heading towards marriage. And then our hearts get involved and we feel very, very close to someone. And then you're like, well, they had, you know, one person never had an intention of dating and the other did. And so this is where things get difficult. Now, I also want to say that the lines on the right side of the chart are much more understandable, right? So everyone knows that they're married because they got married. And then, you know, everyone knows that they're engaged because there was a proposal. Then things start getting a little bit blurrier the further left you go. Um, Some people don't know that they're in a committed relationship and the other person thinks they are and so things get a little bit blurry. Last week I talked about how I'm very much not in favor of that. I'm a big, big fan of clarity inside of both those categories. Being in a relationship officially and even going out on dates, there should be clarity of intention in that. Um, But we just know there's, there's a lot of blurry lines there where we need to start adding clarity. All right, so here's how, this is the whole purpose of, of this chart, is that if, if someone in your, is in your community but hasn't asked you out, then, or you haven't asked that person out, or she's not interested in going out with you, then you should not be advancing into more one-on-one territory, okay? There's, there needs to be a limitation to how much one-on-one interaction. So I'm not being like insanely strict about this, saying like, okay, they haven't asked me out, so you know, they can't give me a ride home ever, or I can't like, you know, talk to them one-on-one. I'm not saying that, it's, it's just, it's limited. That's what you need to be thinking about. There's a limitation to how far these one-on-one interactions go because I've seen it happen. And, and we're, you know, there's people who, there was one of them who's interested, the other's not, but yet they're talking to each other, you know, from like 10 at night to three in the morning and sharing all these, you know, deep moments, emotional connection. That's not gonna lead anywhere good. Um, you can develop that with someone of the opposite sex, but it needs to be under the clarity of that top line, not happening in this bottom line. Of like, I don't know, I thought they were just a close friend. Uh, that's not gonna be helpful. And then secondly, if it's, if, but it's possible you could date someone who is from your community of friends. That's absolutely possible. It happens a lot. But here's the thing you need to be aware of. It may affect your community if things don't work out. 
It might affect your community if things don't work out. Because you could say, okay, from my Christian family, I have my community, I start dating someone, and then comes the conundrum of, okay, things did not work out, so can we just go back to being community? And the answer to that is, I don't know. It kind of depends on how committed that relationship was, how deep the relationship had already grown. Because if it was a, a very, very close relationship, you had gone far, that, far down that path, it's very, very difficult to go back to community. And so there's a risk involved with dating someone who you would consider they're already in that close circle. I'm not saying don't do it. I just want you to be aware of what could happen. And, and if you choose to go down this route and things don't work out, it, it is going to affect your community. And sometimes out of love for that person, you kind of, you need to like separate in that sense that you can still be brothers and sisters in Christ. You can still desire good things for them and still be in the same room with them. It's not like they have to disappear completely, but I think that inner circle, that community, that's what needs to change um, most likely. And then finally, if things don't work out, then I just want this chart to be a reminder to you that you can't push that person you broke up with past the neighbor stage. You can't push them off this chart because it seems like if you were hurt or there was something difficult that happened, you kind of want to say like, man, they don't, even, they don't even get to be my neighbor. And uh, that wouldn't be within God's heart. Uh, even, if, even if they become your enemy, they're out to get you. God would say that we're supposed to love our enemies. You don't have to hold a personal relationship with them anymore, but you can't view them as someone you desire bad things to happen to them. Um, we should desire good for them. Pray for your enemies. Even if you're, they're your enemy, the Bible teaches us to love and pray and bless our enemies, those who are out to get us. Um, that's what the Bible teaches. So we're gonna throw this uh, chart up on our socials for any of you uh, who want to just screenshot that. Um, but again, I want it to be something to help you ask questions. That's Basically, I want you to look at it and say, okay, I feel very, very close to this person, and I want you to ask yourself, are we kind of like way too far into this one-on-one -on -one interaction thing? And then you should dial that back um, just to protect your heart. And then on the flip side, if there's someone who was in your community and things didn't work out, you need to make some decisions on how you're going to be able to move forward. Okay? So just helpful for questions. It's not a rule. It's, you know, this isn't science. It's more of an art. I just wanted to be, uh, hand that to you guys for uh, just some helpful in information as far as developing relationships with people of the opposite sex. All right. The second category I wanted to talk about is... Um, the boundaries of outside influence. Tonight we want to talk about the boundaries of outside influence. Now, last week, I, I, it was kind of like where I landed the message. I talked about how we each need a small group of trusted friends to walk with us as we build relationships, as we go through these difficult waters that we navigate. And so we do need that small group of trusted friends. And tonight I wanna to talk about the wisdom in setting boundaries, because it's not just like anyone that should be the outside influence. We need to be cautious and alert in regards to this category. So let me just start kind of where I started last week, which is the, the, the first thing I wanna say is that you do need it. You need outside influence. So let's start there. You need outside influence because this will help you gain wisdom. Wisdom is the skillfulness in life that we all desire. We want to be good at how we live out this life. And so that's the wisdom we're seeking. Proverbs 11, or sorry, Proverbs 19, 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. If you want to have the skillfulness to walk into the future, whatever comes your way, you need to listen to advice and accept instruction. So you do need outside influence. Maybe for some of you, the greatest danger you have on your life right now is the fact that you don't have any outside influence. All that exists is your thoughts. 
however you process anything is your biggest, your greatest reality and there's no one who is able to influence you and that's not gonna lead you down the path of wisdom. There's just some things that each of us individually are gonna be blind to and that's why we need outside influence. Second, you need multiple people speaking into this, not just one person. That's why Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Abundance of counselors. In multiple, with multiple people speaking into your life, there is, I love that word, it says that there's safety. It doesn't say that you are guaranteed to you know, never mess up, never have anything bad happen in your life, but it says that there's a safety. And I can tell you guys, that is so true. If you have multiple people speaking into a topic, you're in a safe place because the chances are that one of those counselors, someone's gonna be able to catch something that needed to be you know, redirected or corrected in some way. And so there's definitely safety and abundance of counselors. And I would just tell you guys, in, in general, in my life, any significant move in my life, there are at least three people who know about it before it happens with me. I really like, I want to live this because I want to live with wisdom. And so there's no move in my life in anything. I, you know, I could list a bunch of examples, but just think of any step in my life. There are at least three people who know that I'm thinking about it. They kind of hear my thoughts on it. They give me some of their thoughts. Then we spend some time praying over it. I leave time for, you know, to, for us to submit this to the Lord and see if there's any guidance. All those things happen um, prior to me taking any significant step in my life. And I just want to commend that to you. This is, this is one of the biggest blessings in my life is I've really committed towards finding people, and it takes time, uh, to finding people who you can say, okay, they can know about this and they can speak into us because I want outside influence and I want multiple people speaking into my life because if it goes bad, if something does go bad in my life, you know who are the people who walk with me through that process? It's those people. It's the people who already knew about it. I just, I find that the best people to walk you out of a valley are the people who walked in it with you in the first place. And if you're in the valley and you're like, things aren't going great right now, well, hey, you need people regardless of if you had them when you came into the valley. But I love when someone walks into a valley with me, they already know the context. I don't have to catch them up on anything. They can speak directly to, what do I need to do right now? <laughs> I need to know what to do right now. And so someone knowing the context of the things you've been going through in life is gonna be very helpful to be able to speak as you walk out of the valley that God will lead you out of in his perfect timing. And um, so, so that's what we need, but now let me speak to some boundaries and some healthy things we need to be thinking about as we're seeking counsel, as we're seeking godly counsel. The first is, um, I wanted to say it in this sentence, I want you to choose a counselor based on their reputation and character, not because you expect them to give the answer you desire. That's, that's the litmus test. You need to be thinking about their reputation and their character not hoping to hear what you already want to hear. Because here's what's gonna happen. You can ask a ton of people, hey, oh, I don't like that answer, go to someone else. Oh, I don't like that answer. And then finally you find the person, you're like, oh, see, I have godly counsel. And like, no, you looked for the answer you wanted all along. That's not, that's not counsel, actually. Um, that's just you trying to find someone to support something that your counselors are not gonna support. And so you need to be choosing them based off their reputation. Are they known as someone who's close to Jesus, who, who listens to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And, and do you see that in their life? Do they have a reputation that way? And their character, what are the things you know about them 
that's not a circumstantial. It's not about their job. It's not about the family that they have. It's about their character. And what do you know about that? And base your, your choice of a counselor in that way. Now, let me just specify in case anyone was wondering. When I'm using the word counselor, I'm not talking about professional counselors. I'm talking about any person who's going to speak into your life. Any person who's going to give counsel, give advice, give instruction in your life. Um, that's who I'm talking about when you choose a counselor. Uh, Proverbs 14, 15 says this. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. And here are some boundaries now to listening to good, you know, good godly counsel, because the simple person just believes everything. So let that be, uh, you know, a caution to all of us. Just because someone told you something, just because someone gave you guidance, it doesn't mean you have to do it. It doesn't mean you have to accept it. You need to give thought to your next step. That's what the Proverbs say. This is the wise way of going about. So yes, we're seeking outside influence. We want multiple people speaking into it, but then we don't just take it point blank. We're going to think on it. We're going to slow things down. We're not just going to be rapid fire like, well, they said this, I'm going to do it. No, think about it. Pray about it. Slow things down in order to give thought to your next step. So I thought the way, the best way I could help you guys as you try to bring, um, you know, have boundaries for the outside influence in your life, here are three good filters when receiving counsel. I wanted this to be super practical, and this is as practical as I, make, I can make it for you. Three good filters when receiving counsel. Here's filter number one. It's a question. All three are questions. Question one, does this person who's given me counsel treat me with respect and dignity? Do they already exude the love of Christ towards you right now? That's a very important question to ask yourself because I am shocked at how many people have toxic relationships with someone and yet those are the people they're listening to. And they can't even treat you with the love of Christ. They can't even treat you with respect and dignity and you're somehow giving them that, giving them that position to listen to them and, and, and receive that direction. And a lot of times you know where this happens is inside our families. Um, because we desire to be, we desire the approval of our parents, of our siblings, of our family, but desiring approval is not the same as seeking counsel. That desire you have for that person to see you, to say, I, I agree, that's not a bad thing that you have on your heart, and you can seek that, but seeking that is not the same thing as seeking godly counsel, things that are going to be useful for you. So that's why you have to start with this question of, does this person treat me with respect? And dignity. That's going to be the first filter. Second filter, does this person share God's word with me or pray with me as they give me counsel? This is really important. Why? Because those two things are signs that this person you're talking to is seeking the guidance of God himself, not just giving you their opinion. And when receiving godly counsel, you will find that many times it's not going to be something that's like, oh, just read this verse that speaks directly to what you're talking about because you're seeking counsel. It's probably going to be an issue of wisdom. It's like, well, there's not really a right or wrong here. I just need to know, should I do this? Should I do that? That's godly counsel. And, uh, but when there is a verse that does apply to the situation, are they quick to, to share that with you? That's a great sign. <laughs> that's a great sign of someone you want to be listening to, that they can share God's word in a way that is applicable to your situation. But if it's more of a wisdom situation, did they pray with you? Did they submit themselves to God and say, hey, let's pray about this together? And, um, and I think that's a great filter to have, is just asking yourself, are they sharing God's word with me or praying with me? And then the final filter is this. Does this person share their advice eagerly 
and without request, without my request. So suddenly you're talking to someone, you share your story, and they just jumped on it. They're like, here's what I think you should do, here's everything. And you're like, well, I didn't even really ask for this, and somehow like, I'm already involved in this counselor relationship. And it's like, no, well, that's not a great sign. Uh, Proverbs 18.2 speaks specifically to this kind of person. Uh, It says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And you guys do not want counsel from fools. That is not what you need in your life. You don't need any of that in your life. And one of the tells of a fool is that they aren't seeking to understand you better. They're just seeking to express their opinion. They're a bit obsessed. They might even be obsessed with their biblical knowledge. (laughs) And this is why you need to be careful. You can know a lot of things about the Bible and still be a fool. Okay, it's not just knowing things about the Bible. It's about listening to God and putting that into practice, being a doer of God's word, and then exhibiting the wisdom that the Bible teaches. So you want to have that, and you don't want to be listening to fools. So that's why I always think it's a great filter to say, are they just like jumping on their advice eagerly without me asking? Or is this someone who's like, let me understand that better? You know, they slow things down. That's a good sign. So those are the three filters. Does this person treat me with respect and dignity? Does this person share God's word with me or pray with me? And then does this person share their advice eagerly and without my request? So I ask each one of you here tonight, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? And if the answer in your mind is, I don't listen to anyone, that's not true. You're listening to someone. And I don't know if it's a book. I don't know if it's a YouTube video. I don't know if it's your past you're listening to. I don't know, but you're listening to someone right now. And you need to be aware of who you're listening to because they are guiding a lot of your decisions. (laughs) That voice, whatever that voice is in your life, whoever you're listening to, that's what's guiding a lot of your choices. So you need to be very conscious of who you're listening to. And then I ask you, are you only listening to one person? Because one of the reasons why you might not be living in that safety is simply because you do have someone who speaks into your life, but it's just one person and that's it. There's no variety of opinion, and in matters of wisdom, you need variety of opinion. That's a healthy thing. That's something that's going to bring safety into your life. And lastly, I ask you, are you wisely weighing the counsel you receive? Weigh it. Think about it. Give thought to it. Don't just, you know, immediately say, okay, great, I'll just do that. No, think about it and and say, "Is is this what's best? And then use those filters that I gave you so that you can weigh that appropriately. All right, so those are the boundaries of outside influence. Those are important because one of the things that really makes things complicated in regards to dating and marriage is that there's no guidance. People are just kind of like, I don't know, I have to decide everything on my own. I don't feel comfortable to share it with anyone. No one's giving me any guidance. And so poor decisions are made all you know, in different directions. A lot of hurt happens. You get even more confused, and that's where things get really tangled up. And so I just wanted to help you with some of the practical side of what are the boundaries you need to put on those outside influence so that hopefully it can be wise counsel for each of you. All right, last thing, and then we will be done with the series. That's so crazy. Uh, it went so fast and yet so slow. All right, so point three, I just wanted to talk about four more questions. And... Um, I'm running out of time, so that's why it's good that I only picked four more questions. And I, I really love these questions. I appreciated the heart behind these questions. I, I, whoever wrote these, I don't know. Again, it's all anonymous, so I don't know who wrote these, but I just appreciated the heart behind them. And uh, so I wanted to take the time to answer them as best as I can. Um, and, uh, and hopefully this is going to be helpful for whoever asked this and for someone else who didn't ask it, listening in. All right, so first question. How do you bring up God when trying to date someone? How do you bring up God when trying to date someone? 
Um, I think this is a fantastic question because the reality is, is not, um, not everyone meets someone at church. So ideally, you want to meet someone at church because then your chances of them you know, following Jesus Christ should be way higher, right? Um, it should be that. And at least it should be more organic that the topic comes up. But I understand that that's not going to be everyone's story. Some of you, um, you're not going to meet someone here and you're not going to feel like attracted to someone here and it's going to click. And so you're going to have to ask out people, you know, maybe from work. Let's just use that as an example. So you, you ask someone out. And so the question is, which I think is very valid, then at what point do I bring up the God conversation? What, what should I do? And so my advice is to bring it up right away um, on the first date. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, if you're at, at, your, at your career, whatever job you have, maybe that topic doesn't come up in, in that space. But if you do ask someone out, I would just say you need to add, bring up this topic right up, or bring this topic up right on the first date. And um, it, it can be awkward. Uh, I don't know how to fix that. It's just one of the topics that for some people, we have no idea. I mean, if you're just getting to know someone and they're like, what? Where did this come from? That's okay. But you are being wise in bringing it up right away. Because you're still in that, you remember the, the chart I just showed you, you're just in the dates phase. You're not at all in the committed relationship and now is the time uh, to bring it up. I don't even recommend waiting one more date. And if things, you know, if you at, bring it up and they're like, oh, I don't even believe in God, like I have nothing to do with this and you receive this as, okay, well clearly they're not professing to be a Christian. This relationship can't go further. And so then you just don't continue the relationship, whether that means not asking for a second date or saying no to a second date, whatever that means for you. Um, so you want to bring it up soon, and, and you can just be talking about family, your work, and then just ask the question. So, hey, have you, did you ever grow up in church, or what are your personal beliefs about God? Um, anything, you know, just to kind of get it going, and it'll be pretty clear pretty fast um, where, where at least they profess to be. Again, I talked about all that in a different message. How do you know if someone's a Christian? That's a difficult question, so I gave you some very practical things for that. So please refer back to that message for that. Uh, guidance as well. Okay, second question. Um, this one's for, just kind of like a general question. Any thoughts on online dating? Um, yes, thank you whoever brought that up. Uh, I'll just share you my opinion on online dating. I would say it is a valid way to meet someone. I have no problem with, uh, and there's many, I mean, there's so many options out there, and Facebook is very quick to promote them to me. Um, you know, all these, all these different companies. And I'm like, how do you, you know, it's like kind of creepy. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I know there's tons of companies out there. I think it is a valid way to meet someone. I would just say uh, it can help you get into that date section of the chart. Uh, but I would not recommend moving into any official commitment until you meet with that person in person. And here's why I believe that. I 100% believe that there are things that you as a human can perceive about someone only if you see that person in person, physically. There are some things that will not come across a screen or on a phone that you just can't do it. So it's not, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. I'm just saying don't get to the point where you're committing until you meet in person. Uh, my illustration for this is anybody remember I actually don't, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I'm not like anti-Star Wars, but there are many people I'm sure in this room who are like, you know, they got like Christianity and then Star Wars is like, you know, <laughs> it's up there. And uh, so I'm not one of those people, but there was some movie that at the end of it, they, uh, Princess Leia shows up at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, sorry, I don't know. They've been out for years, that's kind of your fault. Um, but Princess Leia shows up at the end and she's completely CGI. The whole, the whole thing is CGI. She'd, the actress had already passed away, and so they did the thing completely CGI. 
And you know, it's amazing because science has progressed so much that we can scan you know, previous performances of that actress and with an insane amount of detail, and now the computers can replicate all this stuff through computer graphics. And yet, when you saw Princess Leia, it's just like, something is wrong. You know, like, <laughs> that is, something's not right with Princess Leia. And, and what it is, is it is just true that even though science has advanced so much and the amount of detail that they can work through computer graphics is mind-boggling to me. And yet, we still have not discovered all the things that the human eye automatically sees. And you can just identify, that's not 100% human. We're able to see that. And, uh, and that's my example of just like, there's just certain things that you won't be able to tell about this person until you meet them face to face in person. So just, that's my caution. And I say that uh, because someone who is very close to me started a relationship with someone online. And this is kind of like the horror story of like the worst case scenario um, where, you know, he uh, started this relationship with this girl and it went on. I don't remember exactly. It was somewhere between six months to a year. So it wasn't just like, you know, a couple weeks. It was a long time. Six months to a year, they never met in person, only to find out at the end that she was not real. Um, She literally had put up a different name and took pictures from some, like, South American Disney Channel actress and made that her face. And uh, I know this is like a horror story. Everyone's like, oh, (laughs) I don't want to do this. Yeah, that's the horror story. There's also plenty of stories that worked out just fine. They were normal humans on the other end. But that's why my caution is like, okay, it's it's fine to start a relationship that way. I think it's a valid way to connect with someone. Just make sure you're uh, meeting in person and confirming they're real, confirming that's their name. And that's, like I said, that's the extreme version. But I will tell you guys, there are many iterations of that along the way. So they might just give you the impression that they believe this when they actually have no concept of that. You know, they don't believe that at all, or they are this, they, don't, are, they aren't that at all. So all that happens, and that's um, understandable within the medium. So that's why my encouragement is just make sure you're meeting in person soon, okay? All right, next question. How do you handle, ooh, this one's good. <laughs> How do you handle the God told me this is my husband wife scenarios? Whew, how do you handle that? Uh, I, I can tell you I never said that to Christina. Um, this, this, it was never like God told me. But I do know that this, this stuff happens. And so I, uh, there's so many layers to this one. I had to kind of pick like, okay, I'm just going to talk about this portion of it. So sorry, whoever wrote this question, I'm sorry if it doesn't like quite speak to the thing you're facing. But here, here's my thought in regards to this question because it does happen. So let's start with the premise that I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and let's say God did tell you that, okay? That's where we're going to start with, my guy, with what I'm about to say. Let's say God did tell you that, and if God told you this, you don't need to share this with that person. <laughs> you don't need to, because if God said it, you, what are you worried about? What are you striving to make happen by saying it to that person? If God said it, well, then you can just relax. And instead, what you should do is you should simply put that to the test by pursuing what you believe God said. So ask the person out or make yourself available to that person, like make yourself known to that person. Um, Do what you can to pursue it if you believe God told you this. Because here's the thing. By sharing that fact that you believe that God said, this person is going to be my spouse, by sharing that with the other person, you are appealing to God's authority over their lives. That's what you're doing. 
but you're placing yourself as the means of that authority being enacted in their lives. And that is unhealthy. You have not earned that position in that person's life. They stand under spiritual authority inside the church that they belong to, and that's where any authority that's gonna be spoken should come through, not just through any random person who thinks suddenly that they get to enact God's authority over that person's life. So if you received that sentence, I would just be like, I've actually, I don't, to this day, I don't have the story where it was like, oh, that's awesome, let's do this. Like, it never, it never goes super great. Someone might be like, that's really weird. And maybe, you know, then they start dating and they're like, oh yeah, I could get on board with this. But rarely is it like an awesome thing anyway. So um, that's why I would just encourage you, even if you believe that's true, I would not share that with the person. Instead, put that to the test, okay? All right, last one. Uh, this question is, as a Christian woman, how do you share the love of Christ with a guy without leading him on to thinking there's something more? Man, that's a great question. Whoever wrote that, uh, I think that's a beautiful question. Do you see the heart that they have? They want to be on mission for Jesus. They want to share the good news. And yet it's like, yeah, but how do I do that with a, with a man? If I'm a woman, how do I do that without leading them on? Um, I hope some of what we talked about here tonight is helpful to this question already, but I will also just add a few thoughts. One, um, you know, really it might be inevitable because that's not all on you, just so you know. Leading someone on, there's times where people are like, you led me on, and you're like, no, I did not. I, I went out of my way to not, and yet they were still led on because unfortunately some people are so hungry for a relationship that they will view a smile as a sign of like, this person wants to date me, you know? They, they look my way and, and they can be so hungry for relationships. So some of it is inevitable, but I, I wanna honor this question and just give some things that you can do um, because I would say that you can make it clear that it, it is a love of Christ that you share with all people and not specifically with this man. Um, and so do everything you can. So let's say you're gonna meet someone and then you wanna invite them to church. Try to do that in a group setting, right? Like with someone else who's next to them. Invite them both to church. What are you doing? You're showing that this is a love that you represent for Christ to the world, not something that you have for this individual. So do it in, in any group setting. And then invite them to a group setting. That's another thing you can do to make it clear that this is not a one-on-one -on -one thing. You're saying, I'm inviting you in. So if they come to church, if you're a woman, you invite a man to church, make sure you have men with you and sit with them, but in a group setting. That's another thing that's gonna help them. So you seek to do it in a group setting and, uh, and make sure you, you're spending time at church even inviting other men into that situation. Uh, but I, again, I just wanna say, I love that question because that, that's the heart of Jesus right there. He, he sees people who are hurting and he wants to do something about it. He has compassion. He's like, I can't just sit here. And so there's a little bit of wisdom you can hopefully have as you seek to honor Jesus with your actions. All right, so that's, that's wrapping up our series. And... Um, I, I just gotta say, I know, I know that some of these topics uh, were encouraging to you guys. And I, you know, I've had conversations where someone was like, man, I, I wanted to talk about this and, and it was just really encouraging that I, I had some practical things and I've also had people say like, this was very difficult, but, but I received it and God used it and there were good things that came out of it. But I also know that some of the topics have been very challenging uh, for some of us. And so I just want to, I want to speak to you, if you felt like really challenged and some of these topics have been difficult, can I just commend you? The fact that you came really says a lot. Um, it says a lot about your desire to say, God, I don't really understand some of these things and, and these are difficult topics for me, but you're here 
and you're listening, and if you missed any of these messages, if you can watch them, that's a way you're saying to God, like, I don't have all the answers, but I, I want to lean in, God. And, and yes, this is challenging, and yes, it is painful at times, but leaning in is what God responds to. He says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So thank you for everyone's involvement in this series this whole summer, for, for the great parts, for the difficult parts, for the fun parts, for the not so fun parts. I, I am excited about what God is doing here on Tuesday nights because I've gotten to witness what God is doing. You have to understand, and maybe you'll never be a pastor, um, but I, this is one of the best parts about being a pastor. We kind of put plans together and we do the best we can in our very, very flawed selves. And then God says, look what I want to do. And as a pastor, I get to just watch it happen. And it's such an awesome privilege for me to be your pastor in that way, that I get to see what it is that God's doing. And I am very, very committed to making sure this group understands we are not gonna be a group of people who's obsessed with the topic of marriage, where it's like, that's really the point of young adults. It's just like, you gotta get married. Like, that is not my heart. Will it happen? Sure, I'd love for it to happen. If it honors God, I want anything that honors God to happen in this group. We're not gonna be obsessed with this topic. We're gonna be obsessed with what Jesus called us to do, which is to make disciples. That's my heart behind all this. I want anything I'm teaching to be teaching you how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, there is guidance for how you are to date, how you're to be engaged, how to be married. That's why I'm sharing this, not because that's the number one thing we're gonna be talking about. And yes, it'll come up again, but hear my heart. I wanna make disciples. And I want you to make disciples. That's why I've spent this whole time on this summer. And we're gonna be moving on to other topics, but just hear it. That's, that's where you find the life because life itself is Jesus Christ. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're gonna enjoy the life that he's made available to you. He's saying, I'm here. <laughs> it's right here. I'm here. That's the heart of Jesus for us. So let me pray for us as we close. Father, I just want to... I wanna pray a prayer of praise first. Anything good that happened this summer with these topics, God, it is for your glory. It's because you're awesome. <laughs> it's because you are good to us. And so we speak this blessing to you and say, thank you, God, for what you've done. We give you praise for that. And God, now I pray for those who have been challenged and who this has been difficult. Holy Spirit, would you comfort right now? Would they be able to find a comfort not in knowing the future, but in knowing you? That to, to know him who to know is life eternal. That if we have you, we win. No matter what else is going on in our lives, if we have you, we win. And so God, may it be that each one of us, as we grow, that we would grow closer to you. And God, we want to also commit all the relationships that will come from this teaching. God, for those that, where things go well and they do end up in marriage, I pray that these would be godly marriages based on how you created us in Genesis and based off the guidance of Paul in Ephesians chapter five and based off the example you give us of what it means to love unconditionally. Lord, I pray that over any marriage that would come out of this group today 
or in years to come. And Lord, for the places where things aren't gonna go well, where we are gonna fall, you tell us that we all fall in many ways. And so, Lord, we know that things aren't gonna go as planned. And so I'm praying that you would meet us in our brokenness, that you would redeem, that you would restore, and that you would heal. This is who you are. And remind us that if we have you, (laughs) we have everything. So Lord, we thank you for what you've done. And now we set off into a new topic, a new series, and we ask that you would go before us. But we don't want to move on before we thank you, God. You've been a good God to us. And we will remember the things you did in the summer of 2021. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Just a a couple things uh, before we head out tonight. One is, just want to remind you, next week is Epic Game Night. Please come. If you don't like games, please come. If if you're bad at games, please come. All right? So please come. We're going to do all these things to have games here. We need people. Okay? So definitely come next Tuesday night. It's going to be our end of summer kind of bash. Um, And then also I needed to remind them about, what was the other thing? Oh, yes, I'm going to tell you what we're going to study next. That's what it is. All right, so uh, starting in the month of September, we are going to be diving into this series, which is called Grace and Glory. We're going to be going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse, okay? Um, If you've never done a verse by verse study, we study books of the Bible here at New Life all the time, uh, but sometimes we're kind of like, here are the main pieces of the book just because of time. This is a little bit different. We're going to go through every single verse inside of the book of Ephesians, and if you've never done this, It's awesome. I promise I will do everything I can to make it as practical and as beneficial for you. The cool thing when you go verse by verse is you guys will get to live and breathe the book of Ephesians, like the whole fall. And that's what I want for us. We're going to step into the call that Paul had for the church in Ephesus and is extremely applicable to us here in 2021. Okay, so that's the series, Grace and Glory. Looking forward to that. We're going to start back up on September 14th. That's the day you want to put on your calendars. So we meet next week for Epic Game Night. Then we do not meet for the following weeks until September 14th. That's when everyone's going to be moving, you know, back to college, any of you guys who are headed out of town for college. And, uh, and then we'll start back up on September 14th with that new series. So I hope to see you guys there. I will miss you during those weeks. Uh, we're also going to record an album. New Life Worship's going to record an album in those weeks. So pray for me. Um, I'm helping out with that. That's on September 1st. We're going to record an album. So it's like epic game night, record an album, then we're back. Okay, so that's all that's kind of going on here for us here at New Life Church. Okay, the last thing I want to do as we head out is I want to invite anyone who is going to be heading out after, you know, after next week, if you're going to college out of town, if we're not going to be seeing you for a few months, if you're moving, if you're going on a, you know, long-term mission trip, any reason that over the next month or so, you're not going to be with us regularly anymore, I want to pray for you. Uh, I thought this is the last time we're gathering before the game night, and I wanted to do that tonight. So I already know of a couple people who are here, so go ahead and just come forward if that's you, if you're going to be heading out. Yes, Keenan, I know. Great. Everybody, just come here forward. I'll come down, and we're going to pray for you, and that's how we're going to end tonight, because we are family, and family cares about where we're headed to, and so we want to pray over you guys. Um, Prayer team, you guys can come too, anyone who's on the prayer team, and uh, I'm actually going to come down, babe just so I can be closer to you guys. Just bunch up as much as you're comfortable with. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll, I'll come 
Christina's going to be on this side. I'll pray on this side for you. Yeah, come on. Great. All right. And then anyone who's not up front, if you guys could just join me in this prayer, stretch out your hand towards them. We are going to pray them as they head out. Father, you know every single one of these stories. You know why they were here this summer. You know why we've had them for the weeks that we've had them. And you also know what's next for them. So God, I am praying that you would go before them and that you would create the path for their good. And so we, we don't know what that looks like and we don't know what may come, but Lord, may it be that whatever is next, that they would draw closer to you through it. And so for those who are headed into new careers and new adventures, God, would you uh, be near them and help them as they walk into unknown territory? Uh, may it be that through the unknown territory, their faith would increase, God. And for those who are headed back to college out of town, um, Lord, it's so difficult to be back and forth and building community. I'm just praying that they would find that community wherever they are, that they would sense that you are going before them and saying, here's a relationship that, that will be beneficial for you. And I pray that you will surround them with people who love you and who will influence them towards the good God. And, and I also wanna pray for protection over their lives for we know that the enemy's out to get these people. And so we're saying, God, would you inhibit the work of the enemy in their lives, that you would protect them and in, in all the ways that you do, God, we know that you're powerful enough to do it, and so we're asking that you would. And uh, Lord, for every way that you, you see down the quarter of time and, and you see the things they're about to walk through, would you just remind them that you're near? That's what I'm praying over their lives, that they would know that you're near and that they would walk in the fullness of life, which is knowing you. And for those days where they feel lonely, would you provide encouragement through your people and through your spirit? I pray that over them in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. All right, guys, we will miss you, but uh, thank, yeah, let's encourage them as they head back to their seats. <laughs> awesome. All right, that's, that's it for tonight. I will see you guys next week for our game night, and if you need prayer for anything, there's a couple of us here at the front who are happy to pray with you, and if not, I will see you next week. See you guys.